Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. Well, today is Memorial Day, and it also happens to be my birthday. Anyway, because it was my birthday and it was Memorial Day, uh, some of my family cajoled me to come kayaking. So I've just come back from the creek and we went for a beautiful kayak down the creek with Sam and Serene and my son Rock and um, Aaron and Mark. Uh, Harrison, Aaron is the one who I do the weekly talk show with. Some of you may listen to or actually watch that. But we had such a beautiful time, and I mo- the others are actually still out there on the creek, but I had to get back because um, we had to record so you can get this message in the morning. So here we are today with you, and I've also got my lovely little granddaughter sitting next to me. Her name is Georgia Skye. Do you want to say hello to the ladies, Georgia? Yes. Yes, okay. Hello. Oh, hi. This is me, Georgia. Yes, now Georgia, before you run away, what would would you like to say a little word to mummies? You're a little girl, but I think you you could say a little word to mummies to bless them. What would you like to say to mummies who are looking after their children? Don't leave your family. Yes, that's very important, isn't it? So you think the most important thing is for mummies to be home with their children. Yes, she's nodding her head. Well, Georgia, maybe you could say a little poem to the ladies before you go. Can you remember, um, let's see, I I had a little pony, that one? Yes. Yeah, okay, you say it. I had a little pony. His name was Dapple Gray. I lent him to a lady who rode him a mile away. She whipped him and slashed him and rode him through the mire. I would not lend my pony through all the ladies higher. Good girl. Goodbye, mothers. (laughs) Okay, that was little Georgia, who's six years old. Well, we didn't finish what we were talking about last time, and we're up to point number 12. Yes, working joyfully in our homes. And we just got started on it, and we found that the word, the Hebrew word uh, for uh, joyful, in Psalm 113, verse 9, he maketh the barren woman to keep home, and to be a joyful mother of children. And we found that that word is semiak in the Hebrew, and it's exactly the same word that is used in Proverbs 16.13, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. In Proverbs 17.22, a merry heart does good like a medicine. This same word, Samiak, if that's how you pronounce it, I hope so, uh, it's used to describe parties and feasting and festivals. 
And there's another place where it was, it's used, and I was most interested to read this. It's in First um, Kings chapter 1, and we read about this in verse, verses 39 and 40. And it says, Zadok, the priest, took the horn of oil from the tabernacle and anointed Solomon. Then they blew the ram's horn, and all the people proclaimed, Long live King Solomon! All the people followed him, playing flutes and rejoicing with such a great joy that the earth split open from the sound. Did you hear that? The Word of God actually says that they were rejoicing so loudly, so powerfully, that the earth split open. That's unbelievable. Well, is it really true? Well, I thought I'd better check it out and look up what it says in the Hebrew. And yes, the Hebrew word uh, is baka, and it literally means split open. Yes, split open. It's a word that's usually are used to describe an earthquake. Now, I don't know whether they were using an exaggeration, but it shows the intensity of their joy. And this is the exact same word that is used for the joy of motherhood. Now, you're getting this, ladies. Joy that is so joyful, so full of just happiness and rejoicing that it can split the earth open. Okay, have you even got a little bit of that joy? I mean, I think that some mothers don't even have any joy at all. In fact, I hear most mothers complaining and groaning and grumbling and my, if you look at their face, help, their faces look so forlorn, frowning, so boring. I have to admit, it's actually, it makes me sad when I look at a mother and she's got this boring face on or this frowning face and I think, oh, her poor children. They have to look at this face because, you know, our children do become what they look at. They become like the countenance on our face. And I believe we should have a joyful face. And but how do we do it? I know that some of you are saying, well, I just don't feel joyful. In fact, how do you expect me to be joyful? when all I do is wipe snotty noses and just cook meals all day and run after children and I'm not doing anything I want to do. But dear precious ladies, I want to remind you, you are doing the greatest career in the nation. You are, you are forming precious souls who will affect this world, and you are preparing them for eternity. Your work is an eternal work. You are in the very perfect will of God. 
I want you to remember that. You're in his will. And if God has so graciously given you a little baby, given you children, little ones, middling ones, big ones, he's give, he gave you these children. You didn't suddenly get them from nowhere. God gave them to you. And when God gives them to you, this is the career he gives you to nurture and train them. And you're in his will. You are doing a mighty work. And I don't think there is anything more joyful than to be in the will of God, to do what you were born for. You as a mother who who was created to, to give birth from your womb, to nurse babies from your breast, to have that anointing of nurturing in you, to to love and nurture and train and your children, it's in you. And this is the career God gives you. So what are you doing? Complaining about it? No, embrace it. Now, when you embrace it, something happens. Then you begin to walk in the joy. And, and so we have to learn how to work, walk in the joy, ladies. You've got to learn how to do it. And it starts with your confession. Your confession is so powerful. Your, your confession determines uh, how you feel. Your confession determines your actions. Your, de- your confession will determine the, your attitude. Your confession will determine the atmosphere of your home. You see, confession... This, I think, I guess even I fall short of realizing the power of our confession. But even Jesus shows us this. He says, this is how we are saved. This is how we are converted. It says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. It's not enough to believe in your heart. You have to confess with your mouth. And when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you are saved and something happens inside you. A spiritual things happens and you're born again. Spiritual things happen when you confess the truth. And this is how we begin our Christian life. This is how we continue it. As ye therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, it tells us in Colossians chapter 2. So we continue believing and confessing. This is how we walk our motherhood, by confessing. You see, the devil plays on our mind. He He's always trying to put in our mind these negative thoughts, these uh, just self-pitying thoughts, these downgrading thoughts, these grumbling these thoughts, these poor me thoughts, these self-pity thoughts. Oh, goodness me, we all can succumb to them if we allow the enemy his way. But we have to get into the habit of not allowing him his way at all. We have to resist 
and rebuke these thoughts in the name of Jesus. And the greatest way to do it is to confess the truth. Because when you confess the truth, it negates these negative thoughts. Because your confession is more powerful than your thoughts. Your confession should, um, it's what can make your thoughts what they should be. And so you don't allow your negative thought life to just come up and overwhelm you. Instead, you take hold of yourself by faith. And in the name of Jesus, you confess the truth. And as you confess the truth, it will have power over your thoughts and bring them into alignment. Now, this is victorious living. And this is how we learn to live in joy. So when you wake up each morning, in fact, you may have even had a lousy night and children woke or your baby was awake all night and you can just give in to the whole dilemma and poor me and how am I going to get through this day and I've hardly had any sleep and I don't know how I'm going to do it. Don't worry. Why am I saying that? Because I can remember doing that as a young mother until God began to show me how to li- how to live <coughs> <coughs> sorry about that and so we have to pull ourselves up and uh, we have to gird up the loins of our mind and we have to begin our confession so when you wake in the morning begin the day father i just thank you that you are with me I thank you that you are joy, you are my joy, and I am filled with joy. I thank you, Lord, that I am a joyful mother. And then just confess, I love being a mother. I'm the most joyful mother in my city. I'm going to be the most joyful mother in my city today. I just love being here in my home. I love mothering my children. Well, you might not feel like saying that. And you may say, well, how can I say that when I don't even feel like it? No, don't you listen to your feelings. Don't listen to those negative thoughts. You speak out the truth. You speak out the word of the Lord. And God says he makes us a joyful mother. So you can confess, I am a joyful mother. I love mothering my children. And as you speak these words, it will begin to change your thought life, change your attitude. And then, of course, it changes the atmosphere of your home and it changes your children and their behavior. Instead of going out to the breakfast table and you're all wiping your eyes and you haven't even got dressed, you're still in your dressing gown and you're just hardly coping. Instead, you go out and you're, you're speaking positively and good morning, children. How are you? Oh, I love you, children. I love being your mother. We're going to have the most exciting day together. Okay, this is how you speak. You speak these words of faith. You speak this confession. It will change you and it will change your day and you will become a joyful mother of children. That's what God intends, to be a joyful mother. And uh, yes, I do think it is so important how we start the day. 
Now, if we have little ones, middling ones, bigger ones, yes, older mothers, are you listening? We have to watch this with our older children, with our teens. I was with a couple recently, and they have a teenager, a very lovely girl. I love her, beautiful girl. Um, I think she's about 16. But the father said to me, he said, Oh, I am concerned. I'm wondering if there's something wrong because... When she comes out in the morning, she's, you know, she doesn't even want to say good morning. She's just, you know, hardly speaks. And and the mother piped up and said, oh, she's most probably tired. I said, just a minute. Oh, no, you can't allow that excuse. You can't allow your children to come out of their bedrooms into the kitchen where everybody is with a negative, downcast attitude. And when they can't even open their mouth and say, Good morning, everyone. I believe that when we get up and each one comes into the kitchen, that they should all begin by saying a cheery good morning. The first words they say, Good morning, in a cheery, wonderful, joyful way. And good morning to each person. That is the least that we can do. And if your children are not doing it, you better start training them. In fact, you should be training them from when they are just little toddlers. They get into that habit. So it's a habit of their life. But if they're getting out of it when they are teens, you're going to make sure they get back into the habit. Because, dear ladies... Our home life is the greatest training for their future lives, for their success in life, and also for their future marriage. We can't let any bad attitudes go. We have to deal with them because we are responsible to prepare them for their marriage. And if Teens who are not far off marriage and they're getting older and they should be preparing to have attitudes that they will carry on into their marriage. And if they can't even open their mouth and say good morning to anybody, what will they do when they're married? They don't feel very happy. They're just going to be all groaning and Goodness me, that is the least we can do to our spouse, to give a cheery good morning and I love you. Oh, that should be part of life. It starts the day right. It starts the atmosphere of the home right. We should be doing it as a wife. And of course, we're going to be doing it as a mother to every child. As they get up, we're going to be saying, good morning, Susie. Good morning, Jack. Oh, how wonderful just to see you again. Let me give you a big hug. Did you have a good sleep? Aren't we going to have a wonderful day together? Now, how you start the day is so powerful. Now, some of you might be saying, oh, that's all just over the top. No, it's not. Unless you want to be a boring mother who will not affect any lives except affect your family negatively, 
we are talking, we're on the theme of how do we change the world. It's joyful mothers, not mothers, joyful mothers who will change the world. And we are training children who will come out of our home to change the world. And children who don't even know how to say good morning and have just come with this frowning face, that's not preparing children to change the world for Jesus. Come on now. It's not ordinary people who change the world. We are, we've been talking about these adjectives which go beyond the average, go beyond the normal. They are <clears throat> just aboundingly and over the top and more than is necessary. And this is how we have to be. This is normal. The other is abnormal. Also, when you go out into society... How are you showing yourself? Do people see you as a joyful mother? I think this is so important. Every time you go to the supermarket or you go out somewhere, remember, go out as a joyful mother. Let me tell you, the world, the feminists, the humanists, the progressives, they have nothing to say against a joyful mother. What can they say? When they see a mother who is so filled with joy at embracing children and loving it, they, they have no argument. You destroy their arguments. And so when you go out and all your children are getting out of your van and someone looks at you and says, wow, are all these children yours? And what do you do? Do you just kind of, you know, crawl into your little shell? Or do you just lift up your head and put a smile on your face and say, yes, yes, and we love children, don't you? Put it back on them. What are they going to say? No, I don't. They're going to be embarrassed to say that. Well, why did they ask you such a stupid question? Of course you love children because God loves children. And or you may like to say, yes, these children are the joy of our hearts. I'm so blessed to be their mother with a big smile on your face. Sometimes people will say, oh, you've got your hands full. Well, put a big smile on your face again and say, yes, of course my hands are full. They're filled with blessings and I wouldn't have it any other way. Or if somebody says, oh, you're going to have any more? Well, you could just give them one back and say, well, it is conceivable. But always be ready with a cheerful answer because, dear mother, it's joyful mothers who will change the world. And God has made you to be a joyful mother. This is the adjective he puts with motherhood. Amen? Oh, I just pray that we're going to have all these wonderful, joyful mothers. Um, I just read the other day. I wonder if you noticed it. Let me see. I have to get my glasses. Here they are. Yes, it was a recent research called The Ties That Bind. Is faith a global force for good or ill in the family? And it 
It was conducted in 11 different countries by the World Values Survey and the Family Gender Survey. Then the New York Times published it and they got such a backlash from the feminists because the survey found that, wait for it, 73% of wives who hold conservative gender values and attend religious services regularly with their husbands have high-quality marriages. They found that highly religious couples enjoy higher-quality relationships together and more sexual satisfaction together compared to less mixed religious couples and secular couples. And there's a graph that also showed, I checked out this graph, that religious couples have more children than couples who rarely or never attend worship services. And parents with four or more children were happier and had more satisfaction in their lives. So those were the statistics uh, from 11 different countries. Well, the liberalists didn't like that at all, and they were all going on so crazily. But of course, it's true. When we do things God's ways, well, we're going to have his blessings. One of his blessings is happiness. Yes, God is the one who planned marriage. He ordained a one flesh marriage where we're glued together because that's what the word means when it says that we're joined together. The word is glued glued. You're glued. You're one. You're made one. That's why it says in Matthew 19, for they are no longer two, but one. It's interesting. The other day, my uh, young grandson was talking to me and he said, Nana, you know how they call married couples couples? Yes, I said. Well, he said, a couple means two, doesn't it? I said, yes, that's right. But he said, well, um, aren't they meant to be one when they get married? I said, why? Yes, of course, Harry, you are right. In fact, you are more correct than saying a couple because God says that when he makes a marriage and it's God who does it, what God hath put together. Did you notice that? What God has put together. It's not man putting it together. God puts it together. And when God puts a husband and wife together and they are married in the eyes of God, something happens. Something spiritual happens. I believe that in the spirit realm, God glues that couple together. Yes, we're to have a one flesh marriage physically, but there's something even more powerful. We're glued together um, in soul and spirit. There's a spiritual gluing together. And that's why God, it says in the scriptures, Matthew 19, verse 6, that what God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Well, that's King James language. 
Other translations say, uh, <clears throat> no man must split apart or no man must pull apart. Now, I, I thought about this when I was reading this very scripture this morning. And uh, I thought, wow, that's amazing. Uh, picture because it's not just that they're going to sort of kind of gradually fall apart. No, the picture that God gives is that no man must pull them apart. See, they're glued. And when something is glued together, you've really got to pull it apart or tear it apart or split it apart to make them come apart. That's the power of the spiritual thing that happens when we are married in the eyes of God. That's why it is so sad to see so many couples today just living together. They're not married in the eyes of God. Therefore, they're living in adultery, fornication. They're not married. They don't have God's blessing if anyone is in this situation, I would encourage you, get married in the eyes of God because there's something powerful that happens. And of course, God planned this. And therefore, because he planned it, he plans us to live in joy and happiness. Now we know there's so many marriages that are not happy. Oh goodness me, they're falling apart everywhere and being pulled apart everywhere. But when we do it God's way, oh, we're living in a society of so much selfishness. In fact, we're raising children today who are not being prepared for marriage because we're raising them selfishly. We're raising them with an entitlement mentality. Children go to town and they see something and, Mommy, I want that. Can I have that? And they start throwing a tantrum and so that just to keep them peace, the mother will buy it for them. That is the pits. What are you doing? When we do that with our children, oh my, we're just getting them into the habit that whenever they see something, they should have it. I became aware of a little girl who, every time her daddy came home from work, she expected a little prize or a gift. And if she didn't get it, she would be so upset and pout and get into a state. And I said to her, Oh, we don't ever do that. No, your greatest gift when your daddy comes home is your daddy. He's your best gift. He doesn't have to bring you anything because he brings himself. And you can be so, so happy that your daddy has come because sometimes there are some daddies that don't come home and you are so so blessed and this darling little girl she got the message and she changed and she was just so happy that her daddy came and of course a daddy can bring a special prize every now and then but it shouldn't be something that is expected you know we just have to watch the way 
we train our children that they don't get into entitlement uh, mentality and they don't think the world revolves around them and, and, and that we don't allow them to become selfish because they take those traits into their marriage so that the spouse, maybe both spouses, they want their own way and if things don't go their own way, well, that's it, we're finished. No. Look, marriage... Like everything in life, like motherhood, like marriage, like even anything you want to do successfully, you've got to lay down your life. You've got to sacrifice. It's what life is all about. It's not me, me, me. And so I think oftentimes many mothers who are out in their careers and they're leaving their children in daycares and uh, they don't really see their children hardly at all during the day and often they can just subconsciously have that guilt and so they make up for it to their children with things, giving them things, letting them have this, letting them have their way. But that is the worst thing they can do because those kind of things they get into the habit of expecting that and it carries on into their marriage and so we have to watch that in training our children because God's way for marriage when we do it his way when we lay down our lives to serve our husband to do it with joy we begin to reap the joy and the and the happiness that God intends for us and and uh, why is it in these statistics that the majority of wives who have conservative values and go to worship service regularly, they're the ones with the most blessed marriages is because they obviously are learning God's ways of laying down their lives and, and that this is the way we live and to serve is to be to ultimately be blessed yourself. And so as, as we learn God's ways, we come into the joy. And uh, of course, motherhood, yes. What? Oh, we've just been talking about the joyful mother. Yes, when we embrace motherhood, that's when we embrace the joy of motherhood. Deuteronomy, no, let's go to, oh yes, Deuteronomy. Oh, this is an amazing scripture. In Deuteronomy 6, it talks about the home and uh, how we are to diligently, um, you know, hear God's words, embrace them, get them into our hearts, not only into our hearts, but into our mouths. And then we're to diligently teach them to our children in the context of the home. When we're sitting down, when we're walking about, when we're lying down, just in every aspect of life. And so we read that in Deuteronomy chapter 6. But did you know that it repeats it again in Deuteronomy chapter 11? And in verses 21 to 23, it says, well, it talks about diligently teaching your children just throughout the day, in the course of life, that your days may be multiplied and the days of your children as the days of heaven upon the earth. 
Isn't that amazing? Don't you love that? God's description. When we do it his way, and when we embrace God's word for ourselves, and we want to put it into practice in our lives, and we just want to pour it into our children's lives, and we want to fill them with his principles and every aspect of life. And, and we begin to just bring heaven into our home. God says, this is the blessing. Your home, the days of your life, will be as the days of heaven upon the earth. That's the description of home life. That's what God intends it to be. And it carries on. For if you shall diligently keep all these commandments, which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him, then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, and ye shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. You see all the wonderful blessings that come to us, but I think that greatest blessing is that beautiful, beautiful description as the days of heaven upon the earth. Lovely mothers, this is what we seek to do in our homes, to make our homes just like a little bit of heaven on earth. Now we can do that. God is able, is, is, can help us do this as we have this vision in our hearts. Je, uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 6 verse 6 says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. Isn't that beautiful? If you want the good way, what do you do? You seek after the old paths. Those are the original paths. What God gave in the very beginning. The revelation God gave of marriage and motherhood. He gave it in the beginning and he hasn't ever changed. We are now living in 2019 and it hasn't changed. God's word has not changed. It's the old path, but it's the good way. And when we walk that way, we'll find rest. Rest, not just lying down on the sofa. No, you haven't got time to do that when you've got all your little ones around you. No, you're working hard. You feel overwhelmed sometimes. But even in the midst of all the chaos and everything that's happening, you can have rest deep down in your soul. Yes, this is not a rest of just putting your feet up, although we love it when we can maybe get a little moment to do that. Oh, that's just a special blessing. This is rest in your soul. Just the same as Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and you shall find rest unto 
your souls. That's a deeper rest. That's right down on your soul. Even when everything is like a tempest on top and, and just all around you, you've got that rest in your soul. Because you've taken his yoke, you're learning his ways. But time is up. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you that you are the giver of good things. You give us the good way. You've shown us the good way. It's the way that brings rest to our souls and joy into our hearts. And Lord, brings, brings a little taste of heaven on earth. Lord God, help us all to embrace your ways. Lord God, to seek after them. And as we seek after them, Lord, and we seek to just make them part of our home, we pray that you will help us to truly live as the days of heaven upon earth. Bless every precious mother and daughter listening today. In the name of Jesus, amen. <music>